This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm Tom Mahome. How's it going, guys? Hey, okay. All right. You good? Yeah, excellent. excellent. So, Tom has got some interesting news for us. Ooh, ready. Uh, well, I was listening to Windows Weekly, and they were talking about, uh, what is it, Go the F to Sleep by Samuel Oh, Jack. yes. Uh-huh. And uh, internationally, people couldn't download it. Then they somehow it was easier to download from uh, com. So all of a sudden, everybody uh, listening was going to com. <laughs> they well, they cool. uh, slash dotted it. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's did neat. They? I didn't know that. Yeah. Very nice, and that was a um, hilarious audiobook. Yeah, nice very, and very, short. very, very, very funny, and uh, great reading. And that, that's free, right? <laughs> yeah, it's free on Audible, and uh, somebody put actually multiple people put it up on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. there's a there's also a little clip of um, Sam Jackson in the studio reading it, but. For some reason, the recording—you know—it's not—it's not the mic that he's—he's he's reading into that is—you know—it's not the audiobook recording. So you hear a lot of page turns and and like wax on the table and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, it's method acting. Yeah. <laughs> so probably, maybe maybe they just can get rid of that somehow. But uh, if if someone's noisy on our podcast, we have to just say, "Hey, shut up. <laughs> Be quiet." <laughs> you There's bet. too many effing snakes in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sleep. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, all right. Well, I have a stack of recent arrivals here, folks. Shall I have we? A, I have a stack too, but they're all paper, sadly. Ah, okay. All right. Well, shall I begin? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, in from Blackstone, one called "The Initiate Brother" by Sean Russell. Read by Ethan Alexander, is that right? No, I'm sorry, Elijah Alexander. Um, unabridged, of course. Uh, 16 and a half hours. This is called uh, The Initiate Brothers Series, Book One. Plague and warfare have swept the Orient, ravaging the ancient kingdom of Wa, devastating the royal line and leaving a new dynasty on the throne. But a new emperor, Akantsu, is filled with fear of all who might seek to wrest the empire from his grasp, and he fears none so greatly as Lord Shanto, the brilliant leader of the old families. Lord Shanto, sent as a military governor of a border province threatened by barbarians, knows he is being lured to his death, but Akansu has underestimated his foe, for not only is Lord Shanto a great military genius, but he has with him two assets, the beautiful and talented Lady Nishima, the last member of the old royal family, and initiate brother Shoyun, a spiritual advisor from the Botahist order. Even Lord Shanto does not realize the potential of the monk whose powers have not seen their equal in nearly a thousand years. So they're just very, at the very end there, it uh, implies magic. And um, it is a fantasy novel. It's not like a um, historical fiction or anything like that. Well, um, apparently he's a uh, Canadian. He lives on Vancouver Island, and he is uh, writes historical fiction as well. Oh shoot! No, I can't looks... read it. Oh, yeah, it's so disappointing. <laughs> All that foreign content. 
well, well, he was probably beaten up in that riot, so now you can't talk <laughs> on Vancouver Island. Yeah. <laughs> no, Vancouver Island is is completely separated from well, Vancouver. <laughs> oh, okay. It has drifted off into the ocean. <laughs> nice. Anyway, very nice looking cover. Yeah, neat looking. Yeah. And I've uh, noticed Sean this, Russell I'm before. Is Sean, on... is Sean Russell primarily a fantasy writer? Well, that's what it, it says: historical fantasy and fantasy. Okay. Nice. Or, or historical naval literature as well, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But um, the cover I'm looking at is on uh, Blackstone's site, and it's got like this dude, I don't know, floating above uh, a lake with uh, a couple of banners in the background. Yeah, that's it. That's okay. the cover. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's very pretty looking. Yeah, nice looking cover. All right. First of a series. Yep, yep, yep. And then from that to some classic science fiction, here's a new Robert A. Heinlein. A new audiobook, that is. Oh. Um, read by Tom Wiener. Farnham's Freehold. Oh, by yeah. Huh? Robert Heinlein, yeah. Hugh Farnham is a practical, self made man, and when he sees the clouds of nuclear war gathering, he builds a bomb shelter under his house. But when the apocalypse comes, a thermonuclear blast tears apart the fabric of time, hurling him and his family 2,000 years into the future. The world they emerge into has changed in more ways than one. The nuclear blast has destroyed all civilization in the Northern Hemisphere, leaving Africans as the dominant surviving people. And in this new world order, Farnham and his family, being members of a race that nearly destroyed the world, are fit only to be slaves. Interesting. Have you read that one? I have. Have you, uh, Tama, you read that? No. Oh, this is a, this is a pretty shocking book. When I, when I read it, I, I was like, well, first of all, I don't think time travel works by having a nuclear bomb dropped in your house. <laughs> Second of all, um, I think I think they lived in Colorado. Uh, I, I know Heinlein lived in Colorado, and I think the story's set in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, where nearby uh, Cheyenne Mountain, um, something like that. So uh, <laughs> I guess it was something he was worried about. Um, but when they when they do up end up in the future, the family has some. Uh, political problems within the family, and uh, and I'll just I'll just say one word, and then you'll say, "Uh oh." Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Castration. Uh oh. <laughs> Can't help it. Don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting book. Um, it's hmm. it's. Uh, I'm not sure what year it was originally published, but it's it's sort of it's it's not. It's not juvenile, mm-hmm. right? And it's not uh, late, late, late stuff. Oh, it says 64. So. Yeah, 1964 is what I'm showing here. Yeah, so that's, you know, it's right after the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. And, mm. uh, there's, of- a, there's a blurb from sfreviews.com on the back that mm-hmm. says, Surprising, exciting, horrifying, and very stimulating. Heinlein at his controversial best. Yeah, Moon and the Harsh Mistress is 66, so it's... It's not right as his peak of uh, awesomeness, mm-hmm. but uh, Starship Troopers is fifty nine. So it's it's you know not all ideas are equal, but this one's actually it's it's a good read. No oh, good, definitely a good read. Okay, but, yeah, scary. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Okay, here's a um, looks like a paranormal romance to me. Also from Blackstone, called Dark Mist Rising by Anna Kendall. Read by Simon Vance. Um, the Soulvine Moore Chronicles, Book Two. <laughs> Whether described it's described as a young adult. Oh, is so, it? Okay. Yeah, that's what it says on um, 
on Blackstone. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't say that anywhere that I can see. Okay. Um, whether it's a curse or a blessing, the fact remains, whenever Roger is in enough pain, he can cross over to the land of the dead and speak to people there. It's an unexpected gift and one that throughout Roger's life has been taken advantage of by his violent uncle, the mysterious malign soul viners with their dark magic and even by a queen. Fighting for her queendom. Okay. <laughs> but not anymore. The dangerous life of the queen's fool is behind him. Young Princess Stephanie sits on the throne, and Roger is living a life of his choosing. He, Maggie, and G have a small, out-of-the-way, increasingly prosperous inn, supported by their hard work. It's a simple, industrious life, and it's about to be destroyed. Mm. It has a picture of it. It looks almost like a wolf eye on the front. Yeah. Which made me think werewolf, but... Yeah, which makes you think uh, urban romance or... Exactly. No, no, yeah. it's... No, it's paranormal romance. Paranormal ah. romance, right. There's no such thing as urban romance. <laughs> <laughs> There's no tattooed man? Uh, tattooed t- teenagers, probably. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. All right, next one. Okay, next, next one. one. Move on. <laughs> Move on. Um, this one is called Who Fears Death by Nindy Okar- Okarafor, um, performed by Anne Flosnick. This is from Brilliance Audio, um, international award-winning author um, Okara Four enters the world of magical realist literature with a powerful story of genocide in the far future and the woman who reshapes her world. In post-apocalyptic Africa, the world has changed in many ways, yet, one region in, yet in one region, genocide between tribes still bloodies the land. After years of enslaving the Okeke people, the Nuru tribe has decided to follow the great book and exterminate general wanders into the desert hoping to die. Instead, she gives birth to an angry baby girl with hair and skin the color of sand. Gripped by the certainty that her daughter is different, special, she names the child Oyesonwu, which means who fears death in an ancient tongue. Sorry, I'm having trouble reading this because the print is very tiny and the light is not very good where I've got it. Um, Okay, there's a little better. From a young age, stubborn, willful Onaisinwu is in trouble. It doesn't take long for her to understand that she is physically and socially marked by the circumstances of her violent conception. She is Iwu, a child of rape who is expected to live a life of violence, a half-breed rejected by both tribes. And then it goes on from there. Um, uh, the author's a uh, professor of English at Chicago State University. Yeah, and I've heard that name before. Has she written other things? There's uh yeah, there's a a list here. Um, uh, we've got four or five young adult novels and one uh, regular. So, okay. Zahara, The Windseeker, two thousand five; The Shadow Speaker, two thousand seven; uh, and then uh, under a slightly adjusted name, Long Juju Man. Iridessa and the Fire-Bellied Frog and Akata Witch, 2011. Hmm. Okay. So, um, and then Who Fears Death is an adult book mm-hmm. uh, for uh, 2010. But um, interestingly, on the Wikipedia entry, influences Octavia Butler, Stephen mm-hmm. King, uh, Nugugi Wa Thiongyo, <laughs> Ben Okri, and Patrick Roth- Rothfuss. Hmm. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's a mixed bag there. Yeah, I really should try that out. And uh, there's a review over on um, the Gilded Earlobe, which is a up and coming blog uh, about audiobooks. Not mm-hmm. as up and coming as us, of course, <laughs> but pretty good, pretty damn good actually. Um, uh, part of the review here. Simply put, Who Fears Death is brilliant, beautiful, and oftentimes brutal. It is truly a magnificent journey, not just through the ravaged African landscape, but also through the soul of the people who inhabited it. Hmm. Okorafor takes on many tropical tropical subjects like (laughs) the roles of women in society, genocide, racial hatred, and religious cruelty. Uh, And gave it a grade A. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Sounds like a good book. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. I've heard. Oh, you heard of it? Okay. She was on a Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah, I'm, I'm not quite caught up on that. Maybe that's yeah. where well, actually, I've heard her name. A while ago. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. But, uh, I think it might have... I want to say it... Well, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2010. You're right. There it is. So how, I somehow missed that episode. Or it just didn't, didn't strike me at all. Maybe. I don't know. It no, I no, I think it did uh, tribal right? surgery, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Interesting. Notice they've got they've got. Uh, sh- I, I I don't visit the Tor site now, but oh, this is from Tor back in those days. Okay. Yeah. Um, now it's yeah. on IO9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the show notes um, on on the show is actually it's how we should do ours. It has a <clears> timestamp <throat> along with the with the. Um, Along with the uh, the nouns. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I the, really want to. You want to do that? Well, I think it, I think it's more useful, right, okay. for people who want to skim through. But it's a lot more work. So. Right. Yes, Tam Tam Homan, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if you do it first, you All know right. who else is doing doing notes just like us is uh, is um, Luke on his new podcast. Oh, good. You seen that? Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I just posted about it. Um, he, he has an interview with uh, Greg Marguerite, actually, and uh, uh, he's got he's got basically SFF audio style show notes. Which hmm. all the titles are bold. Uh no, but you know, okay. like he, he does it in he just listens through and types in what what's going on, okay. and then um, and he's also got uh, he's also calling it a discussion show, not an interview show, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. And he sort of says it for the same reasons. <laughs> well, cool. I, I wish you could link to like the time index of an MP3. Well, I, I think that know. that's probably coming because you know I was thinking about how great the uh, that's that subtitle feature on uh, on YouTube is. You know that you know beta version of subtitles where it tries to guess what what somebody's saying and it does a terrible job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then you, it can translate it to any language. Yeah, if you get a if you get a transcript from that, right, then you could just do a search. I mean, there was a while ago, years ago, there was a search engine for audio, and it worked pretty good. I remember that. And and then it disappeared, and uh, I don't know what happened to it. So, mm-hmm. kinda, it's too bad. Kind of bummed about that. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to Google something, it'd be great to be able to find it within a podcast. Uh, any yeah. audio file would be great. Uh, that's the way I would like to do it. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, all right. Well, next up, I've got uh, 31 hours of Warriors. Oh. Um, this is the, the CD version of the book Warriors that is edited by George R.R. R. Martin and Gardner Dozois. Um, 
So they've done something interesting here. I noticed that the paperback version of Warriors is split up into two pieces, um, which is Warriors 1 and Warriors 2 on the bookshelves. So Brilliance Audio published the entire unabridged version, which is 31 hours long and 26 discs. Oh my and God. then they also sent Warriors 1, which is um, 11 hours and 32 minutes, and just has, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six of the stories in it. So, um, so I assume that they're going to have a Warriors 2 where they're just publishing another subset of the stories. Um, All right. I see. Yeah. So is there, how did they pick them? I don't know. Is it the same as the, the paper books? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know the answer. The, the stories that are in the Warriors 1 collection are Forever Bound, and, and they didn't list the author, but the authors are on the front. Um, Joe Haldeman, Stephen Saylor, Tad Williams, Cecilia Holland, Robert Silverberg, and George R.R. R. Martin. So those are the writers of the stories, and the stories are called Forever Bound, which I'd assume is Haldeman. Uh, the, yeah, the eagle, I, I read that. That's pretty good. Yeah, oh, The Eagle nice. and the Rabbit. And Ministers of Grace, The King of Norway, Defenders of the Frontier, and The Mystery Knight, which is Martin's uh, novella. Oh, uh, is that another Duncan Egg story? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Yep. Speaking of, speaking of that series, um, you know, I think I like the, the, the books a lot more as a television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Game of Thrones, I, I find it much more... Um, I'm not impatient with it. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's a lot more condensed, but uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, this actually is a good story. And it's not that I had a problem with the first book. I liked the first book, but it was just so long uh-huh. and didn't, you know, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't moving along fast enough for me. I think huh. is the problem. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't have show, that problem with it. I enjoyed them. You know, I've said like that. Ten before. hours instead of yeah. twenty hours, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you can paint a lot more. On the page, but I think I think it works very well as a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also seems to have gotten a, a lot better. But it might be that just Peter Dinklage is the greatest television actor ever. He you is fa- how, absolutely how fantastic. Awesome he is? Yeah, he's fantastic. And I, I have I've only seen the first episode of uh, Game of Thrones, but everything else he's been in, he's brilliant. He's a, he's a great movie actor too. But um, mm-hmm. this is he's like Tyrion, the uh, little person. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's Tyrion, and. Uh, just a, f- a fantastic character, but also the the uh, he's just a wonderful actor. Well, that's good to hear. That's, yeah, that's I'll, a great I'll part have to pick too. that back up. It's a great part. It is a mm-hmm. great part. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 very impressed by uh, by the show. It, it gets it, it gets better. I think the acting gets better, and maybe the editing gets better or something. But so, um, some people and, think he's not ugly enough. He's too handsome. <laughs> like in the book, he has mismatching eyes and stuff. Oh. Uh, Okay, but otherwise it's good. Mm-hmm. I think uh, tomorrow is the last episode of the first book. Uh, it's ten, isn't it? Ten episodes for the first season. Yeah, I think it's episode ten is tomorrow. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. So it, it ends pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So Scott, but, uh, you, you don't want to miss that one. Yeah. Some, some, back, there's a really good scene in that. Which? What's the ISBN on the um, on the warriors you've got there? The one that I have here is um, let's see. The ISBN is nine seven eight. One four five five eight zero eight three zero four. Okay, yeah. So there is, there are two two uh, collections. 
One yeah. is read by Patrick Lawler and Christina Traster. Mm-hmm. That's the 26 CDs, 31 hours. And then there's the the other one, which is the one you've got, I think, uh-huh. which is just Patrick Lawler. Yeah, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, that we got them both in, and I passed on the 26 CDs uh, on to Brian Murphy. Yeah, um, he'll do a good job with it, but oh, it'll take course. some time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he'll just sprinkle it in yeah. amongst his other things. Yeah, so. and uh, I I want I started reading his review. Uh, when are you posting that? Um, I was uh, gonna uh, post it sword. today, so I would post on Monday or Tuesday. Okay. I mean, I'll schedule it for post. I can post it today if you want. No, whenever. I just I uh, I'm looking forward to read. I I started reading it on my phone, and then uh-huh. I realized, oh my god, I'm reading a big essay on my phone. Stop <laughs> <laughs> reading it. That's cool. And that's I don't a, like reading uh, things on my phone. Yeah, Paul Paul Anderson's that. The Broken Sword is the review we're talking about. Yeah, and it's going to be a very positive one, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's calling it an essential. Yep. So. Well, it's been a while since we had one of those. Mm-hmm. Great. Cool. All right, next I've got something called Shadow Chaser by Alexi Pihov, P-E-H-O-V. Performed by McLeod Andrews. This is another Brilliance audiobook. Um, this is part of a series called The Chronicles of Siala. And um, it says, Saddened because they have left one of their number in a grave in the wilderness, Harold and his band, which would probably be a spoiler if this is not book one, huh? Harold and his band of outcasts continue their journey toward the dreaded underground palace of Harad, Spain. But before they can reach their goal, they must overcome all manner of obstacles, fight many battles, and evade the frightful enemies on their trail. Once they have breached Harad, Spain, a task entire armies of warriors and wizards have failed to achieve, Harold must venture alone into the secret heart of the most dangerous place in his world. Yeah, interesting. A Russian fantasy writer. So is this done in translation? It must be. Yeah. Does it say anything about that? It, it doesn't. Let's see. Not that I can see here. Ah, yeah. Um, it says the brilliant audio, blah, blah, blah. Recording of the book, uh, Bubba is copyright 2002. English translation, copyright 2011. Okay, so it's a 2002 Russian novel, mm-hmm. uh, recently translated into English and made into an audiobook. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of uh, the author. Yeah, nor have I. Yeah, that'd be interesting to check out. Um, well, pretty, um, uh, battle looking cover there. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at the same looks, cover as you. You know, yeah, I'm still not too much into fantasy, you know, but that, that that's what it is. It's a fantasy. I'd love to try some uh, science fiction from Europe. Could be Asia. We don't know part of Russia. Either. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, I've got the, the right. next one. I've got two books by um, a fella called Kevin... Hearn, H-E-A-R-N-E, and these are books, two books from a series called The Iron Druid Chronicles. Have we talked about these before? Mm-hmm. Um, performed by Luke Daniels. Um, let me just pick one. The one that I'll pick is called Hexed, H-E-X-E-D. Um, Atticus O'Sullivan, the last of the druids, doesn't care much for witches. Still, he's about to make nice with the local coven by signing a mutually beneficial non-aggression treaty. 
when suddenly the witch population in modern-day Tempe, Arizona, quadruples overnight. And the new girls are not just bad, they're bad asses with a dark history on the German side of World War II. When a fallen angel feasting on local high school students, or with a fallen angel feasting on local high school students, a horde of bacchants blowing in from Vegas with their special brand of deadly decadence, and a dangerously sexy Celtic goddess of fire vying for his attention, Atticus is having trouble scheduling the witch hunt. <laughs> yep, and that's that. Hmm. Dropped one. The other one is called Hounded. The one that I okay, have. So these... Hounded is book one. Okay. Yeah, and that that uh, the paperback has a really cool cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the what's the cover on that one? Um, audio book. Hounded is is kind of a silhouette of a man. Looks like he's drawing a sword from his back. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. Um, but it's like a there's a nice Rome, there's Roman a nice descriptive blurb here. Celtic mythology and an ancient druid with modern attitude mix it up in the Arizona desert in this witty new fantasy series. That's pretty descriptive. Uh, mm-hmm. um, that's from Kelly Medding, author author of Three Days to Dead. So. Yeah, it seems to be getting uh, positive reviews. Mm-hmm. Oh, but wait a second. This is on the Vampire Book Club blog. All right. <laughs> uh, which, it, which, by the way, covers urban fantasy, paranormal romance, and fantasy. Oh. Oh, and young adult. Okay, so <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what They're broad, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, um, three books from Brilliance in the Stainless Steel Rat series. <laughs> the stainless steel rat goes to hell. The stainless steel rat sings the blues, and the stainless steel rat joins the circus. All uh, six or seven CDs long. That's book uh, eight, nine, uh, and ten. By the way, eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, that's. There's one more. There's only that. one more. All right. Um. Oh. Did you wait? Which? Wait a second. Rat goes to hell. Mm-hmm. Joins the circus, and what's the other one? Sings the blues. Sings the blues is is number three. No, it says here that it's eight. Book eight, uh, nine, and ten. Okay. Eight All is right. blues, so, nine is hell, and hmm. ten is circus. Okay, well, I'm looking at the the chronological order list. Ah, uh, that's the problem, not uh, the written order list. Gotcha, okay. yep. All right, so we go chronological order, uh, not release order, mm-hmm. is what this, this, this says. So um, in release order... Uh, Stainless Steel Rat Returns, 2010. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Stainless Re- t- Steel Rat Returns is 2010. That's not even on the chronological order list yet. Hmm. And, and Joins the Circus is 99, Goes to Hell, 96, and then Sings the Blues, 94. So, yeah, that's okay. Cool. Got lots more reading ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. All right. And now I have one from Brilliance called Daybreak Zero by John Barnes, um, performed by Susan zombie, Erickson. I think, right? Yeah, I think so. It's, it says it's a novel of Daybreak, so it's not a standalone. Um, it says, what began as a techno-thriller continues as a high adventure in the newly savage ruins of civilization. In late 2024, Daybreak, a movement of post-apocalyptic eco-saboteurs smashed modern civilization to its knees. In the losing, hopeless struggle against, struggle against Daybreak, Heather O'Grain played a major role. That story was told in a book called Directive 51. 
Now, Heather's story continues in Daybreak Zero. In the summer of 2025, she leads a tiny organization of scientists, spies, scouts, entrepreneurs, engineers, dreamers, and daredevils based in Pueblo, Colorado. Both of the almost warring governments of the United States have charged them with an all but impossible mission. Find a way to put the world back together. Okay, so this, uh, I think this book sounds familiar and looks familiar because of a book we saw earlier, uh, Directive 51. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. From some podcasts. Right, they said, uh, yeah, in the description there, it said Directive 51 is the first book. Uh, Here, I would, here. I wasn't listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go. I I do that in the show notes. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so that that series is going to be three books, Mm -hmm. looks like. Cool. Yeah, and that Uh, looks, it looks like an interesting series. Neo-feudalist. I like that. (laughs) Neo-feudalist. Uh, are you a neo neo feudalist, Scott? <laughs> yes. I've seen the cover in the bookstore all the time. <laughs> all uh, right. You, you have to you have to get uh, people, you know, coming to your compound and mm-hmm. offering you vegetables, and, stuff, <laughs> and then you you will offer extend your protection to them, and then mm-hmm. that's that's how it goes, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then the FBI breaks in and <laughs> burns your house down. Cool. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, I've only got one more. Well, it's actually a pair. Um, we talked to Blackstone Audio about um, hopefully podcasting a Philip K. Dick story. Right. And uh, they sent us a copy of the the hard copies. Um, we still oh. don't, don't have permission to do any broadcasting, but um, I've got the Philip K. Dick Volume 1, the Selected Stories of Philip K. Dick Volume 1, and the Selected Stories of Philip K. Dick Volume 2. And I know we've spoke about them before, yeah. Um, but just just uh, they they listed the uh, contents. So in volume one is Autofac, Progeny, the exit door leads in, a little something for us temp- tempo knots, the last of the masters, the preserving machine, novelty act, the war with the funules, and the electric ant. And volume two contains Colony. Upon the Dull Earth, the that's short the one more. Yeah, that's the one. Yet. You bet. Um, the short Happy Life of the Brown Oxford, Faith of Our Fathers, The Days of Perky Pat, The Variable Man, and I Hope I Shall Arrive Soon. In in those collections, um, uh, the the there's actually the the two only two Philip K. Dick stories that are a series. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't write a. Any repeat, he didn't repeat characters or anything, mm-hmm. but except there's two stories and they're in those two collections. One of them is called The Short Happy Life of a Brown Oxford, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shoe, <laughs> uh, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one is um, The Preserving Machine. And that one features a wacky professor sort of guy who invents things. And the first one I think we talked about on the podcast a while ago, That that's the one. Uh, in which you put a you put a uh, piece of music into a machine and out comes an animal. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> and then uh, the other one is about a a guy who creates a <laughs> he creates a machine that can turn inanimate objects into uh, living creatures. So mm. uh, it, they're kind of related in that way, but 
Uh, he he puts he he's got like this Dutch oven, which uh, is an actual object, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, anything you put into it overnight, uh, it becomes sufficiently irritated that it comes to life and gets out of the way. And in the explanation for that, he says, sitting on the beach one day, he was he he was sitting in the hot sun and he noticed a pebble just couldn't stand the heat anymore and started walking away <laughs> out of the sun into the shade. And he said that gave him this brilliant idea that you could bring anything to life if you just irritated it enough. <laughs> so gotcha. I think that's fantasy myself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun stuff. Oh, cool. You bet. Well, all right. Well, that's all I've got here, guys. I've got a big stack of uh, paper before we talk about new releases. Okay. Um, big, big paper stack. I went to the comic book store and picked up uh, Lock and Key Volume 1. You know, uh, that came out as a, a special uh, comic, free comic book day issue, um, just a sample one, and that's the one written by Joe Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, yeah it looks yeah. cool. Um, and volume one's called Welcome to Lovecraft, which I think is a good title. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's just the first issue of the comic book. That's the first issue? I think Damn, so. Damn, it's thick. It, and it says volume one on the side. Oh, special issue okay. number one. Maybe you're right, but it's cheap. It was cheap. It was like six, seven bucks, something. Like that. And then um, in the more expensive department, you know, uh, Scott, did you finish reading that um, Walking Dead yet? Um, no, no, I haven't. Oh my, so no. so slow. Yeah, I just I'm, yeah I'm, get back to it. Every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I picked up uh, Robert Kirkman's other big uh, series. I think it's he's got a few series actually, but mm-hmm. um, Kirkman's the writer behind uh, The Walking Dead. And uh, I picked up his other one, which is called Invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason I got this, actually, is because uh, I was showing The Walking Dead to one of my students last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was, like, so impressed with all the heads being chopped off. And he didn't really care about the story at all. He just liked heads being chopped off. And uh, when he, ro- he won our, our school reading contest, uh, he got a prize, which was to get... Uh, you know, books. <laughs> and and uh, we went to the comic book store and he and he was like, oh, we got we to gotta look at those chopping heads. And he wanted to just look at them. And I said, so are you going to buy one? Is that, is that what you want to buy? And he said, oh, I don't think so. My mom wouldn't let me have it <laughs> because it's got heads being chopped off, right? Uh-huh. His mom would see those heads being chopped off and, and, and be upset. So I said, has this guy written anything else at the comic book store? And he said, yep. And this is the one. And then I asked the kid, I said, how did you like it? And he says, yeah, it's really good. Huh. Um, so it's superhero violence rather than uh, people's heads being chopped off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, <laughs> their heads stay on. <laughs> their heads stay on, but I, I guess they get pounded into uh, right. into pulp or something. But uh, <laughs> it looks pretty good. It's uh, I've heard good things about it on, and I was going to say Attack of the Show, but that's not what it's called. What's it called? Oh, fresh ink. Fresh ink, right? Uh, she, uh, Blair Butler likes it. Hmm. Uh, what else did I get? Hmm. I got the latest um, new series that uh, Dark Horse is putting out. It's called uh, Robert E. Howard's Savage Sword, which is a collection. It's a it's a comic book, regular issue, but thicker, and it's got a um, a selection of different stories uh, based on. Robert E. Howard stories. So, 
different characters. It mixes it up. It's not just Conan. It's also El Borak, who is uh, a gunfighter in the in Afghanistan, and uh, Sailor Steve Costigan, who's like a uh, boxer. It's a it's a mixed mixed collection, and it's also got some some prose in it. You know, non mm-hmm. just regular writing in it as well. So that's that's pretty cool. Cool. Um, now that's what I got at the comic book store. But a while ago, I told you, I think, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but my local bookstore got a shipment of $12,000 worth of uh, some, some books from uh, Science Fiction Collector's Estate. Uh-huh. Uh, it turned out to be 80, 80 boxes of wow. comics, and, uh, not comics, of, of paperbacks, hardcovers, and magazines. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, so it, really impressive. Now, um, I've been going there a lot to see what, what's coming out of those boxes, and uh, uh, I managed to purchase some of them. This is pretty good. So <laughs> um, one of the ones that I got that's actually I wasn't planning on getting, but uh, it's pretty, pretty great, actually. Uh, Star Science Fiction Stories, number three. This is the um, paperback series that is uh, like a magazine. Mm-hmm. You heard of this series? I have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, copyright 1954. Listen to the contents. Uh, it's Such a Beautiful Day by Isaac Asimov. The Strawberry Window by Ray Bradbury. The Deep Range by Arthur C. Clarke. Alien by Lester Del Rey. Foster Your Dead by Philip K. Dick. Uh, Dance of the Dead by Richard Matheson, which is also a, uh, an episode of the, uh, the Masters of Horror series. Um, Whatever Happened to Corporal Cuckoo by Gerald Kirsch. Uh, the Devil of Salvation Bluff by Jack Jack Vance, Guinevere for Everybody by Jack Williamson, and Any More at Home Like You by Chad Oliver. This is an original collection, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's first publication of those stories, and that's a pretty great collection. They they made collections better back then, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, the book of, or the sorry, the best of Henry Cutner. That nice. was only mm-hmm. a sweet deal, only $5 cool. for a old paperback. But it's got a really awesome introduction by Ray Bradbury, which I have already read and um, getting lots of great ideas out of. Mm-hmm. Then, I think these are the, the, prime, the prime goodness out of uh, this collection. I got four ace doubles, uh, each with a Philip K. Dick on one side. Listen to this. Mm. The World Jones Made, which is... Uh, a great cover on it. Uh, the Man Who Japed. And apparently Philip K. Dick thought this was his best novel, uh-huh. which is very strange because everybody else thinks it's crappy. But uh, this is after having won the, uh, the Hugo for The Man in the High Castle. He still thinks The Man Who Japed was his best novel. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cosmic Puppets, which uh, from the, from the uh, subtitle, an American town run by galactic invaders sounds like uh, The Hanging Stranger, doesn't it? Like the sequel to The Hanging Stranger. Mm-hmm. And uh, one called Vulcan's Hammer, which I've never seen even in a store before. So those are all terrible condition, but uh, those are all Philip K. Dick paper books that are very hard to find. Hmm. Uh, none of them are available on audio. And... Mm-hmm. What else? I think... Oh, I finished Ex Machina, the whole series. Did I mention that? 
Um, you may have. Is that a comic book series? Yeah. Okay. I mentioned that to you, Tama. I think he he told me off the air. Okay. Yeah, because um, that that's the Brian K. Vaughn series that isn't Why the Last Man. Um, it's about a a hero that uh superhero that is created by some strange explosion underneath the Brooklyn Bridge. And he gains this power, which is a really, really cool power, actually. The power to control machines with words. So uh, if somebody's going to shoot you with his gun, uh, you just say, uh, jam, and the gun jams. He, he can't fire the gun. So he's like almost indestructible, right? Because we use all this technology. You can't stop him. You have to get a bow and arrow to stop him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book runs, I don't know how many issues, but uh, many, many issues, several years, I guess. I just finished the last giant paperback. I don't know what these are called. They're not trade paperbacks, but whatever it's called. Um, and like Blair Butler said, the ending is really terrific. It does make you say, oh my God, I might need to go back to the beginning and see all the, the seeds that were planted that I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Because it really puts the the whole book you're reading into a different light, uh, cool. and makes you go, "Wow, that is noir." <laughs> <laughs> really good stuff. Really good stuff. That book. Cool. Art's art's so, pretty good too. So there's two different timelines. <clears throat> He's like a superhero in the past, and That's then right. like later on, he becomes mayor of New York. So, so the, you're, yeah, you're, the, the comic he's flashing back between those two timelines. Uh-huh. It switches back and forth and uh, yeah. to good effect, right? Because you'd think that the the political stuff is not as interesting as the superhero stuff, and in a way it isn't. But in the way in the way it ends, it definitely is. Yeah, I, I've read random trade paperbacks of it. I, I haven't like oh, gone all the way through yeah, it to the I, end. Start start at the beginning, go to the end. Yeah, I should. Well, it's good stuff. I think both of those going to be movies. Uh, Why the Last Man and Ex Machina. Ex Machina would be a better TV show, I think. Uh, Why the Last Man, probably as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, yeah, I hope I hope that's the trend they continue with because uh, I think they even gave him first crack at the screenplay because he didn't want to do it, so they begged him to try the screenplay. Yeah, so. but also didn't Brian K. Vaughan uh, run Lost? Yeah, he was he was one of the writers on Lost later on. Yeah, that, I that, think he's credited with like one episode. Okay, well that. Uh, as long as he's not directly responsible for it. <laughs> I don't think he wrote the ending. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, he didn't start that series either, though, right? Right. And uh, he also has a great blueprint for uh, for any television series out of these two books. Um, he's got another one that I'm going to try and get a hold of. I've I'm, I'm been holding off on it because I think it got taken over by another series, uh, by another author, I should say. It's called uh, Runaways. Have you read any mm-hmm. of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've actually read some of those. What did you? Actually, uh, my Joss son Whedon Chris was in there. Yeah, Joss Whedon was. Um, he took over for a little while after him. Yeah. Yeah. How is it though? Like, is it a? Well, it's more uh, young adult, I guess, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, Chris loved it. I mean, their their parents are uh, villains, but they kind of rebel against them and run away. That's basically mm-hmm. the plot. Hence the runaways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um. Uh, in paperback reading, I, I, or paper reading, a while ago I got sent uh, The Desert of Souls, you know that um, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Howard Andrew Jones book? Mm-hmm. Um, I started it and I decided it will make an excellent audiobook. so <laughs> I'm going to have to get on that right away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually, it, it's, it's very funny, um, 
and uh, and also it 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 feels you know like kind of authentic. I don't know. I I guess it can't be. You know, it's not it's not a Arabian Nights style tale, but it feels like he's he's trying to make it at least as semi authentic as as he can. Uh huh. And uh, I like I like the humor and the writing's good. It's told first person, which uh, I think helps a lot. Cool. Yeah. So I think that, I heard him on a. I should be writing as a guest. Yeah, I I heard I think him. He said he did a lot of research. Yeah, I I heard him there too, and I. Uh, although I'm not a big fan of the way Murr formats that show, you know she puts all her uh, her existential angst about being a writer at the beginning of the show, and then makes you wade wade through that to get to the part where she actually talks to somebody about their book. But <laughs> other than that, um, it was a good interview, right? It was a uh, definitely worth listening to. So that's exactly where you need to have in your show notes what time the the interesting part starts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Which is probably a criticism of this show you could make, yeah. right? You bet. Jesse, there is no interesting part. Okay. Cool. <laughs> it's, all, it's all buried in random places. Oh, that's, that's funny. Right. Hey, I've got uh, two other things to mention, if I could. Are sure. you Are you done over there, Jesse? That's my stack. Okay. Um, how about you, Tamahomi? Have you got something? Oh, I should say, I, oh. I also got about 150 uh, um, magazines. Out oh of that, wow! Out of that hall, yeah. Awesome. Um, I you I, them over the motherload. I know <laughs> it's amazing, but I don't have them in front of me. Mm-hmm. There were so many of them, I have no room at my home, so I took them to school. Um, <laughs> nice. Are they like analog and I'll fantasy and science? Fiction? I'll tell you, they are. This is cool. A um, lot of fantasy and science fiction. That's the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly from the '60s and '70s. Oh, uh, wow. A few from the '80s. Nice. Very early '80s. Um, yeah, so the, and it's it's mostly after the public domain period could be. So there's going to be some at least review material and stuff in there that be be able to find and uncollected uh, short stories that I can go and dig out. But um, I also got uh, World of If, which oh, or Worlds of If, which I've never oh. I've never held one of those before, and oh. I got a good stack of those. I have um, I have one copy of Worlds of If that has um, I think it's uh, Neutron Star by Larry Niven. That's a good one to have. I'm almost positive that that's a World of If. It could be. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's the right period. World of If died I think right before the '80s, or if it did go into the '80s, it was very early. Um, and uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic magazine, which is a short, short-lived uh, series, and. Galaxy. I got a bunch of Galaxy. I'm so impressed to have Galaxies because I've had I've seen them digitally, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's tons of good stuff online uh, digitally, but um, ha- actually holding issues in my hand that I've I've looked at online. Wow, amazing! Mm-hmm. I've got I've got all these these ones I'm going to be flipping through for for years. Only problem with them, they're completely dirty. They're like covered in like layers of dust. Mm-hmm. Oh, that kind of dirty. Yeah, oh, they're so dirty. They've got all these <coughs> pictures in them. That's no. the... <laughs> <laughs> they're dirty as in they're covered in, in, in I don't know, book book dust. Mm-hmm. Whatever book the dust. Pages is. are all yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were probably yellow to begin with, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's my haul. Oh, that's all neat. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So all Scott, right. yeah. Uh, how about you, Tom Home? I don't want to butt in line with uh, you if you got anything. Well, I, uh, 
I was I looked through like the new releases. I was going to mention mm-hmm. some stuff. Like, okay. No, like, we'll do we, new releases next. But oh, okay. we're talking we're talking okay, physical. Yeah, I, I, have, right? I have I have one well, I have one physical to... one that came in, and then I have a new release that I'm very interested in. Okay. Um. So the one that um, came in, um, I'm a member of LibraryThing.com. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Library Thing and uh, Goodreads kind of serve different purposes. On Library Thing is where I keep my the list of books that I actually own. So that if I'm on a bookstore or something, I can, you know, I say, do I have that? You know, or if I'm looking for a short story, I put all the contents of all the collections I have. And if I'm looking for a short story, I can just search for the short story and I can see if I already have it. Um, so I use library thing for that. And then Goodreads is really for what I'm currently reading or whatever. But anyway, library thing has this thing called an early reviewer program where you, they put out a list of books and everybody can try to claim those books as early reviewers. And um, I've only gotten two in the years I've been at Library Thing. Um, but this is the second one, and it's called The Generation Starship in Science Fiction, A Critical oh, yeah. History. yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, uh, it's A Critical History, 1934 to 2001, <laughs> by um, Simone Carotti, S-I-M-O-N-E-C-A-R-O-T-I. Um, so anyway, I got it in. Um, it's in soft cover. Um, it's from McFarland, is the publisher, and um, online here. I'll, I'll send a link. Um, but I'm looking at the the table of contents. It's in the other room. I, I need to run and grab it. But go grab the, it. Uh, well, I, I can see the table of contents here. It. Uh, I okay. read the introduction and I'm definitely very interested. But it's got six sections. The first one's called Fathers, and then. Um, the second one is the Gernsback era, 1926 to 1940. The Campbell era, 1937 to 1949. The birth of the Space Age, 46 through 57. The New Wave and Beyond, 1957 to 1979. And the Information Age, 1980 to 2001. And in every one of those eras, there have been significant stories about Generation Starships. And uh, hmm. yeah, he goes through it all. So very much looking forward to reading that. It should it should be a uh, timeline somewhere in there, you know, like mm-hmm. listing all the stories on on the years, and that would be yeah. Be. And uh, there may be um, it's got an appendix, a chronological bibliography. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just looking at the Wikipedia entry, and uh, it mentions, you know, <coughs> of course, M- uh, what's what's that one? Uh, the Heinlein one, uh, Universe. Mm-hmm. It's called. Oh yeah, um, which got combined into with another story. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a novel, I think called. I can't. I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, uh, also mentions Wally, and I forgot. Oh yeah, they do have a generation. Oh, they Starship do. That's Wall-E, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get that far, but <laughs> I, or whatever it is, I'm not uh-huh. sure if it's a starship. Eva. Eva. Yes. So yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading that, and I'm wondering if we ought to have the author on the podcast or see if we can, because that would be well, an interesting. Have, talk. A, have a read if it if if mm-hmm. the book sucks, you won't want to get the author. <laughs> the introduction <laughs> well, was the introduction was very interesting, so okay. I expect the book not to suck. Well, but, let's let's hope it doesn't. Yep, I hope it doesn't too. Oh. And then um, can I talk about a, a new release then that I'm very interested you in? You may, sir. Okay, um, Leviathan Wakes. Book one of the Expanse is available on Audible, um, published by Recorded Books, by James S. A. Corey, who is uh, <coughs> Daniel Abraham. 
So I think, I think Daniel Abraham has a fantasy author name and a science fiction author name. But right th- this science fiction uh, novel looks like it's right up my alley. I'd really like to check it out. I- I've read 100 pages of it. Actually. Oh, have you? What do you think? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's very dramatic. I mean, uh-huh. it's not hard SF, but... Uh, it's not? Okay. I thought it would be. I guess there's little bits of science. I mean, it mm-hmm. all takes place in one solar system. So I don't know if you would call it space opera or like solar opera. Uh-huh. But, uh, system opera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's very it's very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Jefferson Maine. Now, when you say that? when you say dramatic, are you talking kind of like a soap opera type of dramatic, or it, it says um, in the description that ice miner Jim Holden is making a haul from the rings of Saturn when he and his crew encounter an abandoned ship, uncovering a terrifying secret. Jim bears the weight of impending catastrophe. At the same time, a detective has been hired by well-heeled parents to find a missing girl, and the investigator's search leads him right to the same ship. I mean, uh, there's like a war and there's like mm-hmm. racism, that kind of drama. Okay. Like this, uh, in, the, in the beginning, this ship gets destroyed and that kind of touches off uh, conflict between different planets. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. somehow, if you're from one planet, you might have a, a racist attitude towards another planet. Mm. Okay. So that, that's how it's been going. All right. Interesting. Uh, now, when you say you've read 100 pages, have you read 100 pages and have moved on, or is this something that you're going to finish? Um, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Okay. All right. Interesting. I, I might even go audio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, recorded it, books doesn't publish a heck of a lot of science fiction anymore. You know, they, they publish uh, some, but not a lot. I think it's just in comparison, right? Uh, in comparison every, to other other publishers, they, they haven't accelerated. Whereas, yeah, I, I just don't seem to see much from them. And and the and the well, the books that the books that recorded books chooses to publish are mostly, um, I'd say, on the literary end of the science fiction spectrum. They're they're interested in things like um, Octavia Butler and, uh, gosh, what was one that we reviewed? Uh, uh, Elizabeth. It was called The Speed of Dark. Wasn't that a recorded right, books? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was that recorded books? I thought it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I've got to get my review for that out. I, I, I can't finish it because I don't, I don't know <clears throat> enough to say about autism. I, I really don't. I still, after studying no, it. No, no, The Speed months, of Dark here is uh, audible. I think Luke reviewed it too. Yeah. Uh, Brilliance, Brilliance has it as, a, as, a, as an audiobook. Oh, okay. But I think there's more than one edition out there. In the universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Leviathan wakes is also 20 hours, so that I'm mm-hmm. a little hesitant to commit myself to 20 hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, on the next page of uh, Audible releases, and this is an Audible uh, Frontiers collection, <laughs> Chicks Kick Butt. <laughs> did you see this one? <laughs> I did. It's a collection? Yeah, a collection with... Uh, you know, I actually there. like the title of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, I'm sure it's just urban fantasy. Yeah, it's probably. Um, but yeah, listen to the. But I, I like chicks who kick butt. Rachel Kane, Karen Chance, Rachel Vincent, Lilith St. Crow, uh, P.N. Elrod, Jenna Black, Cheyenne McRae, Elizabeth A. Vaughn, uh, Jean, Janine C. Stein, Carol Nelson Douglas, L.A. Banks, Susan Kennard, and Nancy Holder. Hmm. Um, now, of course, the thing that they do that really bugs me is no word list, no title list. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's, I don't know why they don't do that. That's annoying. 
it's it's something it's they need to fix. But yeah, uh, it says, lunch with the CEO uh, Jesse and explain it to him. CEO of uh, Amazon <laughs> oh, or Audible. Jeff Bezos. So, yeah. I thought you were looking at the Audible page. I am. I am. But uh, it's all the same company, right? So. Oh. Um, yeah, okay. Jeff Bezos. Go, go talk yeah. to him. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and I'll knock on his door there. Um, it's a collection of vampire, wolf, demon, and monster butt. <laughs> <laughs> Ticks are awesome, and never more so than... The, oh, sorry, when they are kicking some series. Some butts are hairier than others. Demon, demon and monster butt. <laughs> <laughs> wolf ones are hairier. Oh, some are very pale. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's uh. how you tell what kind of butt you're kicking. Right. <laughs> the demon butts are red. <coughs> nice. Pearls are very hairy. Yep. Uh, but uh, nice thing there, they've got a bunch of different readers uh, to do the reading. That's so, nice. Yeah, I, I think it's good that they're they're doing a collection, even if they they don't tell you what's in the collection. Because you can just sample someone's short story and see if you like him, like well, the author. It's the only way to get, uh, you know, because of the way Audible works. It's the only way to get Audible. Uh, content um, in in the short in the short format, right? Because you can't if you release a short story, people won't use their credit to buy it mm-hmm. because they want to get right. something a little more substantial in case it's not. The they should have micro credits. Well, <laughs> I use point one, one for the story. <laughs> the one that's really bugging me that they should have done long ago is the one that Scott did, and I still haven't listened to your podcast about it. It's Stories of Your Life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that not an audible? How can that not be an audiobook? I have no idea. This is ridiculous, because this is the greatest living writer of science fiction. Mm -hmm. That literary company should do it. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Right, right. Most important audiobook to get done. You do that. We'll we'll, we'll mention this every week. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that is a very good idea because it's ridiculous that it's not being done. And also, I mean, free apocalypse, Al. Well, that too. Yes. That too. Mm-hmm. What's that? Uh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> apocalypse, Al is the is the J. Michael Straczynski uh, radio drama that was never uh. by CBC, even though it was recorded and edited. They never released it. Okay, I've heard you mention that. Mm-hmm. With, with I forgot the title. Curious anger. um the other the other thing they were talking about on that uh, windows weekly was uh the solaris collection Um, oh yeah it's it's the first ever translation translation directly to english really no it was a yeah that's right yeah yeah before it was like polish to russian and then russian to english uh i thought it was polish to french and then to english oh i was at a convention one time and uh one of the panelists talked about a book called The Siberiad by Stanislaw Lem. So I, I picked it up. I mean, they, they talk so lovingly about it. I picked it up, but I haven't read it yet. But I've mm. got it. Have you guys heard of it? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, have you Maybe. read it at all? Or No, I've not yeah. read any, any uh, yeah, Lem at so, all. So I picked it up, and uh, yeah, I need to get to it. It's a short story collection, but all about um, robots, if I understand right. But, yeah. I think a lot of his stuff is humorous, but uh, like Solaris is very um, serious. Mm-hmm. Actually, I forgot I've got more books here. <laughs> One oh. of them is Zemiany. Sorry, Yevgeny Zemiatin. We. We. I got the paper. <laughs> the paper book. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not going to be the same translation as the uh, 
the one that is um, out from Blackstone. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, I bought it because it has an introduction. And, you know, that's the way to get Jesse to buy a book, is just put an introduction to a story in it mm-hmm. that's not in any other collection. I'll mm-hmm. pick it up, just <laughs> so I have that excuse. Yeah, I, I got I got that, and also I got um, this one. I I don't know if I talked to you about this or something else, but I I thought I'm gonna I should get this for Scott, hmm. and I might even have two of them now that I think about it. Um, it's a short collection called Adventures in Religious Science Fiction, edited by Mayo Mose, Other Worlds, Other Gods. Oh wow! Hey, very cool. It's got a, yeah. it's got a clockwork uh, Jesus on the cover. <laughs> nice. Nice. Steampunk, steampunk Jesus. Yeah. His halo is a, a giant gear. <laughs> and uh, Very cool. Really good really good authors inside the uh, collection. Bradbury, mm-hmm. Clark, uh, Nut- Nutter, Cutner, uh, Anthony Boucher, um, Lester Del Rey, uh, and Damon Knight, John Brunner, oh, cool. Jose Farmer, right? Yeah, so, nice, nice. And after that into your hands somehow very good okay thank you that's great yeah very um, cool so solaris sounds good we sounds good mm-hmm. and uh i was thinking about uh, somebody was was it you who's asking about the next read-along it may have been yeah yeah i, 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 I think don't think would, we have one scheduled do we yeah we don't have one on the schedule right okay. now so um and we've got a bunch of uh, stuff on the schedule that it seems to get it be being pushed. Are we doing Phil K. Dick next week? Uh, was that what it says? Let's. let's <laughs> I believe so. Schedule. Really? No, 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 no. I think that needs to be pushed down uh, oh. because we're still waiting to hear back. Yeah, we're still waiting to hear back to see if we uh, get permission to to do that story. Um, Put you another know. bug in bug in her ear, if you. Okay, would. sure, will. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, as far as a novel goes. Um, yeah, so gosh, I'm, thinking, yeah, go ahead. What I was thinking is, uh, the Frederick Pohl, uh, CM Cornbluth, um, famous oh, the space one. merchants, space merchants. Um, yeah, I'd be up for that. I, I just got a, uh, I think it must be a, um, uh, book for the blind reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. And I started the first, first little bit and it was like, oh my God, this is a great book. It's hilarious. <laughs> And uh, you know, um, it's a it's a it's about advertising, and and they also live in a, a future world in which uh, scarcity is is great, but they they act as if they're very wealthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, just the the <coughs> lines are hilarious. One right. one line is they're in the meeting, and uh, everybody's saying how great business is, um, and one of the lackeys uh, says something something you know lackey like. And uh, and he says uh, the only reason he said that was he knew which side his bread was oiled on. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have butter. There's no butter. <laughs> he oils his bread. Oh wow, well, that's funny. Um, it's 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 really uh, mm-hmm. very yeah. Very... And the space merchants is fairly short. I could yeah, uh, it's a nice short I bonus. could do that on the tenth. Okay. If that's okay, um, we need to stay away from the third because uh, the fourth of July is extremely busy. For me this year, okay. Um, in the play, somewhere? doing the play, and then we do this shootout. So I've just uh, there's no way I could read anything before the third is what I'm saying. You doing the the jumping off the roofs of buildings with fake bullets in your gut? <laughs> well, it's a funny thing. I I write um, a long time ago. We, we do this shootout in front of the theater every Fourth of July, 
at, I don't know, about 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And when I arrived here, they would get together in the morning before the shootout and then try and decide what to do. So I said, this must have been about eight years ago, I said, you know, do you guys want some kind of a script or something? (laughs) So the first year I wrote an outline, okay, let's actually do some kind of a story here in 10 minutes. And then since then, I've been writing it every single year. I write it. You're keeping track of these uh, stories? I've got them all. Yeah, I've got them all. Yeah, and they they always have the same two main characters, a sheriff and this guy, this bad guy. So... He keeps killing um, same, him year after yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> every single year, every single year he dies. Yeah, the bad guy mm-hmm. dies. But it's uh, kind of a light comedy thing that we do. But now, you know, uh, people are starting to get concerned about, you know, should we be having a shootout, you know, because of guns and, um, you know, <clears throat> what message are we sending? And that, that's you kind of that, a... Put that into your script. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually what, not a bad idea. We're, we're going to have a we're going to have a meeting on Monday and and decide uh, what we're going to do moving forward because we're kind now of starting to get a split. Come <laughs> down off that roof. Yeah, start throwing <clears throat> pies at each other or something. But it's yeah. so popular. I mean, paintball people come to Malad to see that thing. It's it's been right. really fun. Start charging tickets. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's you can do karate. Yeah, they're they're all outside the theater. There's no way to charge money for tickets. They they all you know, gathered. It's more of a publicity thing for the theater. Okay. And then this year we're doing 1776. So we're going to have, you know, a bunch of folks walking around and, uh, colonial stuff too. So maybe we'll have someone shoot John Hancock. (laughs) I don't know. Fun. It's a hoot. I'm sure he will have uh, big dying words. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Big dying words. But yeah, and then we're doing 1776. I mentioned that before. And I'm, I play John Hancock and we're starting on the first and it goes the first through the ninth. So, but once a play starts, then my time, I get all my time back because you can't do anything after that. (laughs) Why don't we put uh, that on the schedule then? Okay. On the 10th. And, uh, and then let the chips fall where they may elsewhere. Okay. Sounds good. Putting it in there right now. That's Space coming up Merchants. pretty fast. You know, this month is is very short. It seems yeah. Like. Yeah. It is amazing. Sounds good. I've been wanting to read that. So. Yeah, I like I, I've never read. Uh, if I have read it, it was so long ago that I <coughs> I completely forgotten it. But uh, really funny stuff. And mm-hmm. um, somebody was mentioning how terrible. Uh, uh, in a was it uh, Fredosphere? I think mentioned. Uh, <laughs> I did a comment on on the marching morons and how mm-hmm. terrible a story it was uh-huh. and he's right it is terrible uh-huh. it's, it's 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 terribly written it's it's it got a bad ideas at central premise but it's a famous story by cyril m cornbluth and uh, i think it's useful to have a copy of that so that other people can see how terrible this famous story is <laughs> um but uh also um cyril m cornbluth uh, seems to have been a popular um, seems to have been a popular collaborator, especially with Frederick Pohl. He he's famous. You know, I think I think the Frederick Pohl collaborations are after the death of C.M. Cornbluth. Aha! Interesting. I am really? nearly positive. Um, How did that work? I think that uh, you know he had a pile of his stuff and then finished a bunch of it. Uh huh. I guess you know we'll find out if that's true if somebody knows. But that yeah, that's that what I had read. Because I was saying, you know, in collaboration, I don't mind Cyril and Cornbluth, but as a 
as yeah. a writer. Cyril um, M. Kornbluth died on March 21st, 1958. He died really early, but I, I think uh, Space Merchants might be, be before his death. Let's see. Space Merchants. And it is from 1952. Okay, so it's before You'd be this. not dead at so that I'd time. So I'd be incorrect. Um, yeah, maybe some stuff came out. I just recall reading that somewhere. So yeah, I apologize. I'm I'm not. Well, it's right. possible. It's possible that some of it. Yeah. Some of it was. They did a lot of collaboration. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I thought they did too. Yep. Oh, there's a study guide. Interesting. That's fun. Yeah, here's a book called uh, Our Best: The Best of Frederick Pohl and C.M. Kornbluth. And uh, you know, Critical Mass was 1962. The World of Marion Flowers, 1961. The Engineer, 1956. Um, the Quaker Canon, 1970 or 1961. The Quaker Mute, Canon. How do you spell Canon? Uh, C A N N O N. That sounds awesome. What yeah. the, what's a Quaker Canon? Because <laughs> Quakers are nonviolent, right? Yeah, right. It's like, what the, what's going on? I want to read that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I yeah, and the meeting. The meeting is 1972. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, the uh, yeah. So a lot of it was, but uh, apparently the Space Merchants was before that. So, mm-hmm. yep. Cool. Very cool. I stand corrected. Uh, let's, let's just see if there's anything else on this uh, this list of, of recent recent posts. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like we're yeah. C.M. Cornbluth was C.M. Cornbluth was 34 when he died. Yeah, he was a young man. Yep. And according to <coughs> Smith, he had green teeth. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Very embarrassed about his ta- uh, his uh, dentation. Huh. Well, I, I read Hex by Alan Steele. Oh, you finished it already? Yeah. Wow, that was it's not, not that long. How was it? It's it's okay. I mean, I like the uh, outer space parts more than the. It's like a Dyson sphere. Mm-hmm. Like there's a a collection of hexes around the sun, and then people live on these hexes. But uh, I mean, once they land on the hex, then it's it's just like a primitive planet on each little hex. <coughs> huh. I, I didn't really like that part as much as the outer space exploration. But what the is, character is very accessible. What is a hex? It's a, just a six-sided. Uh, oh, shape. like hexagonal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's like a trillion of these that are interlocking, and they surround the sun. And then there's holes in the middle of each one. Why is there a hole in the middle of each one? Uh, I forget. I think there's a scientific reason. Okay. Um, so it's like a Dyson. I guess it out the heat. It's, it's 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 a, a Dyson dodecahedron or something. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Right. Nice. Really? Wouldn't wouldn't that do weird things with the gra- with the not the gravity but the like? <laughs> it would look straight, and then you'd feel the gra- uh, the um, I don't know. The artificial gravity would be doing weird things to you as you approach the edge. Well, yeah, he says at the equator you have like two G, and then towards the poles, it's uh, the, the gravity goes away. Okay, interesting. And I guess the ideal place is like uh, halfway between the equator and the pole. That'd be like one G. Did you do the audiobook version of that? Yeah. Well, where's the review, sir? <laughs> uh, it's on my list. Okay. Good. 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 But uh, the characters are very accessible. It's almost like a Star Trek episode. Oh, and it's got an yeah. introduction by Alan Steele. That should be good. Right. Nice. Yeah, he talks about Dyson Sphere. Nice. And, uh, he had an article on whatever dot Scalzi about it too. Yeah, it's only nine hours for five yeah. minutes. It's that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I, I think I talked to you. Was that last week? When? Why you? You're fast. Yeah, I, I, I was actually really enjoying like the first half of it. I, I sped through the first half, and then hmm. I finished it pretty quick. Nice. So, I mean, anything, anytime I actually finish something, that's actually kind of a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like that's almost like a rave review when I actually finish. <laughs> I could I finish this one. I have a lot that's of great. orphan books. That's yeah. I, I tend to I tend to want to finish the the bad ones just so I can tell how bad it was. <laughs> the good ones I want to linger on. <laughs> what, what if it's like forty hours or something? Oh, I don't want to start those ones. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. <laughs>